Welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, where I interview the absolute best health and wellness practitioners from across the globe to show you what they do so that you can do it too. This is because, like you, I did not always feel that health was easy. I had tried different diets, countless exercise plans, but often felt misled by an industry that thrives on you not really getting healthy and always spending money on the next new thing. Because of this, I'm getting bare naked on health and pulling back the curtain to show you that being truly healthy is simple. Wherever you are in your health journey, I want to show you that with minimal effort, you can get maximum results and do what you love, play with your kids, go for a hike, and crush it in your business all while feeling great. To give you a kickstart, I encourage you to go over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get the top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts that have been on the show, and you will see what simple health can be. Hey guys, I'm your host, Nick Horowski, and welcome to the Bare Naked Health Podcast, episode number 50. In today's episode, I interview Chris Tempert. Be sure to stick around for the end to hear about Chris's battle with cancer and how that changed her her definition of happiness, as well as a little insight on everybody from Napoleon Hill to Stephen King to John McMullen. All right, guys, another episode of the Bare Naked Health podcast today. And on the line, I have Chris Temper. Now, Chris, the first question that I ask everybody is, tell us about your health journey in 10 sentences or less. My health journey in 10 sentences or less. Okay. Um, Since it's a little more than 10 sentences, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, no. My health journey started, you know, as a young person trying to get in great shape and exercising. And um, after I had children, I was um, showing off and walking on my hands. I was a gymnast when I was younger. And I did something to my shoulder. Went into physical therapy. I try to keep it short. And... Um, the do- you know, the doctor said you need physical therapy for a few weeks. I went in, and um, soon I couldn't really use my left arm and my left hand, and my left leg started getting weak. And oh my so, for my demands, you know, an MRI was taken, and uh, the physical therapy had shoved two cervical discs three quarters away into my spinal cord, and I was on my way to being a hemiplegic. So, major spinal surgery. Uh, hip bone placed into my neck so that I wouldn't be paralyzed on the left side. And, you know, it was a long nine-month recovery. And when I got done with my recovery, this is how I became a Czech practitioner. Mm-hmm. I um, went to a trainer, and the first thing the trainer did was he loaded up 100 pounds on a bar and told me to squat it. I said, well, I've just finished for major spinal surgery. And he said, well, this is where women start. All women start with this weight. So I didn't know any better. He looked really fit. And so on the third rep, I popped my um, T6 disc, and um, that was that, back to the doctor. And long story short, you know, I was very determined. I'm a very strong, tenacious kind of a person. I was, I was at the time. And um, so I continued. I I joined this Body for Life competition by Bill Phillips, and Mm -hmm. I did 300 crunches a day and transformed my whole body until one day my son spilled some Cheerios, and I bent down and blew my low back for uh, three years, and of course, then the doctors all said you're ruined, you're destroyed, and um, right. so that 
you know, so my health journey basically went to where I tried to figure it out until I found the Czech Institute. And with one DVD from Paul, I was able to rehabilitate my whole body in about a year. And then I met him in New York. And and so um, so briefly on the other side, because I can't help myself, you know, I, no, no, then no, I please, started... Please keep expanding on this, because this is a great story. No, thank you. Oh, well, I appreciate that. So, you know, I when I met Paul Czech in New York, I said I'm going to be going to be the best Czech practitioner you ever had. It was really, I really loved the information, and I loved it. And, you know, even with kids, I finished everything. I did it mm-hmm. all. You know, Czech level four, the HLC3, the golf. I did PPS. Paul handpicked me as a mentor. And then I went off to do Zero Force coaching with Paul, which personally I think is some of his best stuff I had. It was the best thing I ever did. And okay. um, really enjoyed that. But then, you know, I kind of, as I went on with my career, I I was somebody that, you know, I was really fit, very strong. And, you know, I ate well. And, and I kind of was like, you know, I'd bump into clients that weren't really eating well. And I had a lot of opinions about people not eating well. Mm-hmm. You know, people that ate fast food, people that were, people that smoked, people that did all these things. You know, I was I was like in a place where I... I think a part of me thought I was a lot better than they were because I had better choices in my life. And um, and I had a, a very unique experience just recently where, you know, I know my body. I'm nice and strong. And um, my abdomen had started getting bigger and, uh, you know, running off to doctors like, hey, you know, I, I have a flat tummy. I know how to do this. Something's not right. And everybody said, you know, you're an older woman. It's just a fibroid. It's nothing. And mm-hmm. um, it kept growing and I kept going to doctors and, you know, three doctors down, everybody said, don't worry about it, it's nothing. And um, I um, I was actually bleeding internally and didn't know it. Oh, my and, goodness. Uh, so okay. a, friend, a, a friend of mine is the top doctor of a huge health organization here in New Jersey who just happened mm-hmm. to stop by and saved my life. Um, I wouldn't have done anything. I thought, ah, you know, I just have a fibroid, it's nothing, it's not going to be a big deal. But anyway, it um, actually turned out to be a um, a stage one, very rare cancer. And okay. so I had major surgery and um, didn't go anywhere, but because of the aggressiveness and bleeding out half my body weight, and thanks to my wonderful health, I survived all this. You know, I had to endure chemotherapy. And um, and it was a very interesting place to be, being a Czech, being a top Czech, being in a place where, wow, um, what I have to, what do I, what are you talking about, you know? But um, it was so intense, and um, I was hours away from dying. And so, in, I, uh, it was, I, it might sound crazy to you, um, but it was probably, uh, one of the best experiences of my life because, uh, you know, as I went in for these chemo treatments, I was really mm-hmm. strong, very fit, and all these, ner- you know, nurses are overweight and they're eating their fast food and they're doing their whatever, but here I am, you know, here I was in this place and they weren't, you know? Right. And, um, so I have a whole new. So when you ask me my health journey, um, I think that I've, I'm, I feel very blessed right now because um, you know my prognosis is excellent. I'm doing well. I'm almost back to my normal everything, and um, I, I kind of realize that um, I'm, I'm really just here to be happy and to be grounded. And it's what I think about things is far more important than what those other people out there think about anything. It's it's kind of like the one power that I had through the whole experience was how I chose to how I chose to look at it, you know. Yeah. And I chose to see it as a very positive 
um, experience, which it was. It changed my whole life. It changed how I look at everything. And um, I don't have, I kind of just mind my own business now when it comes to how other people are living in a sense. And that's not a common um, viewpoint, I don't think, among my peers. No, and I, I, I agree, Chris. Like, for myself, I've I've noticed myself beginning to become much more aware of my thoughts when I, when I do do that. Like, when I am casting any type of judgment on others. Uh, and it's difficult because I think that's part of just how I've, I've grown up. Like, anybody I was ever around, like, oh, well, look at them, like, you get these thoughts. Um, so can you share, like, how to maybe, like, any any advice on getting over something like that? Or Because I know for myself, like, I'm becoming much more aware of it. When I have those thoughts, I try and see why I'm having that thought and kind of go from there with it. But I know that it's been easier getting over that, and I've been less judging, and I, I feel better about it because I feel like it's the other person's decision to make that whatever choice it might be about their life. Uh, but how did you go through, or how did that, how did your mindset change as you were going through the chemo and even up until this on almost letting go of those worries, those concerns about other people? Well, that you just asked like a lot right there. Like, yeah, like I could so... talk for an entire day, <laughs> but you know what, for me, you know, I, I, I had already done a lot of, I have ha- I had to grow through um, a wonderful difficult childhood and it kind of pushed me into a lot of things where I had a lot of behavioral patterns and people that have known me in the past, you know, I was very aggressive and, you know, had to be very dominant and I, a part of me didn't really, I didn't find value in myself. So I had, I was a big overachiever doing different things. So I'd already gotten to a place where I understood for me anyway, um, how I looked at judgment. So I always knew when I was judging anybody, it was because I needed to feel better about myself. So if I didn't like that guy's red Ferrari parked at that traffic light, I knew it was because I was jealous I didn't have one. You know, so mm-hmm. you become you become more aware of your judgment after a while, where you can just listen to it in your head and you don't act on it. You don't actually get jealous. You don't. You just it just it's just the recording. It plays and you just think, you know, wow, if that Ferrari's on that intersection and I'm looking at it, it means it's close. You know. My Ferrari is going to come to me soon. Thank you kind of a thing. (laughs) But, you know, I kind of had already had a a relatively good grounding um, with this stuff, but but I wasn't aware that I was, like, using my health and wellness so much that I I didn't realize how arrogant I was about it. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like you never really get it done. You you don't want to get it done. We're, We're living here because... You want to have an experience that shows you what you don't want so you can say, you know what, I don't want that, I want this. And I don't think you ever get to a place where you're perfect. I don't think you ever, I don't think you want to. You're always figuring yourself out. There's lots of people on this planet to meet, and you always get to find what you like about somebody, what you don't. And and your judgment, you know, whatever you judge about the other person also holds that perspective that, you know, to the degree it bothers you, it's you, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you think somebody is arrogant, chances are you are too, you know, if you, you know, so, you, you, you know, you get, you get pretty good at this stuff where you can't, you can't change the other person, but you can change how you experience that person by looking in yourself. And, and then you kind of just have a little more compassion for people rather than being so angry or judgmental or resentful or, um, but, um, yeah, you asked me a lot, so I don't, I don't want to lose, uh, uh, you know, get off track. I can just tell you, you know, I, I studied in New York for a couple of years with Stephen Robinson 
at the Holistic Institute, which is probably one of the best things I ever did and, and really worked on learning how to meditate and learning how to do all that stuff, which helped me re- to relax a lot. So I've, I've always been very intuitive for myself. And mm-hmm. um, the, one, the one thing that really helped me through this whole cancer thing was that I felt like I wasn't alone in it. You know, it was like I was watching my life in a sense. And that, that helped that helped keep, keep me grounded through the whole thing. But, but like, you know, to go through something this big and, you know, I, it's just me and my two kids. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, um, I had a stare into my daughter's eyes in the ER, uh, which were, they're blue, but they were dark pools of despair in that moment. And um, it's quite an interesting thing to think, you know, I'm going to close my eyes and die. So I think the most amazing offering that I have, and I have one book right now that's getting ready to, you know, kind of be out in the world and what I'm writing. I love, you know, if you saw my picture books on the website, you know, my daughter is right now um, finishing you have an octopus on your head. I just love this stuff. Um, So if there's any offering at all, it's like, you know, if it's really true that we don't, we we don't we just transition and we never get it done kind of a thing and life just continues, um, you know, uh, you you always get to pick your perspective. You you no matter what's happening, no matter what is happening, you have the power to choose how to think about it. Like whatever that event is, you get to say, all right, I see this, I don't like it, but you know what, this is what it's going to mean for me. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you, get to, you get to pick that. I mean, that's your absolute power. And so that was something that because of all the training, because of thanks thanks to Paul Check, thanks to John McMullen, thanks to Stephen Robinson, thanks to all these beautiful people, all these years that I've intersected with that taught me how to have a wonderful relationship with myself, it brought me to a place where, wow, now I really got to put it all to work. And, it's, and it let me rise above it all. And to be positive. And a lot of people that I meet that have gone through cancer don't like my perspective at all. They get very angry. It's almost like they need me to be dying to, you know, take what I have to say. But I, you know, I'm still two, you know, I'm at two years. I could be, I could transition next year. I don't know. You know, I don't, Mm -hmm. I don't know. But, but I, regardless of that, I'm never going to lose. You know, I just went through, you know, a near-death, major surgery, a cancer diagnosis, and chemotherapy all in the period of, you know, six days is, is a lot. You know, it's a lot, a lot for anybody to go through. For sure. <laughs> so I have, I feel, you know, I can say it. I can say whatever the hell I want at this point. But, but you know, I, you know, it, it was, and, and I have to tell you, to be perfectly honest, and, and this is something I think we all need to do, if we really are, and I don't know, how many people you follow or how you look at life, but I really believe we have a role in creating our life. And to be perfectly honest with you and everybody listening, I know what I was thinking in my head. I know how I was feeling. I know where all my pain was. And those thoughts delivered to me what I wanted. I got from that illness and from that experience Feelings that I had wanted, and um, and you know I have to take the responsibility of um, you know that I created that to, that's a, that's a perspective. Now there's yes genetics, this and that, bad luck, say whatever you want, but I can't change any of that. But I can say, wow, I really had I really had a lot of stuff going on internally that um, you know I didn't want to 
didn't I just wanted to just shut myself off from life and and from relationships and just from everything and so I did uh you know it worked really good so it was like wow you know once you recognize how you can create things well now you can you can turn it around so what drastically changed with all of that and everything was my thought pattern and I just turned it the other way and just now I just continue to think the other way and we'll see what happens <laughs> I, Chris, that was that was amazing. Thank you uh, for sharing that. Oh my goodness, uh, I I love the insight just on thoughts though, uh, because you talking before. Okay, you're strong. You exercise. You eat well. Like you have all these other aspects of health, but that shift in your thought and your thinking is just an amazing thing to be able to 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 harness. I feel like. Uh, and not everybody is able to do so. Like you said, there are other cancer patients that they'll get upset with you because, hey, of the outlook, it sounds like to me, uh, that you have on this. And can you, can you share uh, what it is now that you do with your thought process? Or you talked about, like, having learned uh, meditation, I believe you said, through with Stephen Robinson. Like, what have you or how do you really go about your thought process or your meditation practice on a daily basis to keep you going in the direction that you want to be going? Oh, that's a great question. I appreciate you asking that. Um, you know, for me, I, I've i always felt that meditation, you know, when I first started, I Paul used to always tell me, you know, Chris, when you can sit quiet, that's your next greatest growth, you know, and he, and he was right. Um, you get a brief moment of feeling as though you're a part of everything. It becomes quite addictive where it, then it's the <laughs> discipline. You you sit every day for 10 minutes here and you listen to people guide you in meditation. And I can tell you just from my experience now where I am, uh, now that I'm actually learning how to create in the other direction, you know, I have a lot of my life is manifesting and unfolding exactly as I hoped, maybe not in the way I thought it would, but... I have to trust it's not my business how it unfolds. It's just knowing that it happens. But, you know, meditation for me now where I stand is just a constant awareness every moment. You know, I don't I, I don't lose myself as much. I'm always present to some degree. You know, I mean, ebb and flow. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like I can stay just focused in who I am no matter what's happening around me without taking things personally or getting upset or being stuck in traffic or whatever it is. But what I do do is I have a very uh, loving ritual that my kids make fun of me for uh, because everybody claims I don't sleep, but I'll get up at like 4.30 mm-hmm. uh, or, you know, at the latest 5 o'clock every morning just so I can sit quiet. But what my quiet time to me now is it's like going to Disney. It's fun. I get to go into that space, so and I'm happy to share my this private experience, but... I go into that place with an enormous amount of gratitude because the reverence I have for life right now is beyond anything I ever imagined I would ever have in my life, knowing that it's it really is limited for all of us. We all have an expiration date. I don't care how healthy you eat or how much you exercise, you're going to die. You know, it's just you're going to transition at some point, you know. Right. <laughs> Everybody does. Nobody's escaped it yet, but, yeah. you know, so... <laughs> It, it, gratitude is there, but I, you know, when you learn to, you know, I, and being, studying as a medium, you know, I I did a lot of, I was always very good at certain things, and so I, I, I connect with people. I, you know, my mother and father who aren't there, I feel like they're with me, and I, I kind of put people into my life that I need, and Napoleon Hill talked about that a lot in his book, Think and Grow Rich, 
he kind of saved it for the last chapter of the book. He stays very literal and and for the um, closed-minded individual through most of the book. But then when he gets to the end, he kind of lets it go. All the people that he had, you know, um, he had the pleasure of knowing Thomas Edison and and he would talk to Thomas Edison in his meditation and he'd actually go see him in person and say, you know, you said this. And Edison would say, you know, that's something I would say. So um, what I do is I, I, I kind of, you know, go into the meditative place and I put myself in the life that I want, basically. And then I just, I'm in that life and I just kind of, um, I milk the feeling of what it feels like to be in that place. And then I try to just maintain the feeling of that. And it's kind of like, because I can look around, if I stop and look around at what is, I can see certain things and I can take score and say, wow, you know, this isn't exactly as I want it yet. And this isn't good over here, you know, but that, that's, what is doesn't count, you know, and it's a constant reminder that what is is already old news, you know, it's what's coming in the next moment, next moment. Like even talking to you right now, you know, having this call, this is wonderful. This is such a, uh opportunity for me to heal, just to be able to, to, to share, like just have a conversation. You know, I'm not, I don't want to tell anybody how to think or how they need to do it or, you know, I did something better. It's just, I'm just sharing that, um, you know, I, I really do feel that, you know, sitting with yourself and, and taking that time in the morning, it's kind of like filling your cup, you know, and um, it's just ideas come out of nowhere. You know, I've been, I've, I've been searching for a title for a book for a long time, long time. I almost thought it would never come. And the other day, it just, you know, came out of nowhere. It's like the time is just right. And um, it's fun. It's, it's just a fun place to be insightful and Sometimes when I feel like my father or somebody that's crossed over I really miss is with me, I'll, you know, I have a moment where, you know, it's so heartwarming, it brings tears to my eyes. And it's just, it's this love. It's so that's what I do as a ritual. No matter what, no matter where I am, um, that has to happen. And if there's ever a day that I don't get to sit like that, um, I, you know, I really miss it, you know. Um, it, it, it just, you know, it doesn't go unnoticed. But I do try to say awake with myself. And when I say that, I just mean that I stay aware of how I feel about myself during the day. So I, there's no destructive uh, self-talk because, you know, it does get hard at times, you know. Uh, and it's like this month coming up, you know, I have to be with the oncologist and you have to go into the appointments and they take your blood and you do different things and you sit in waiting rooms and there's nothing like sitting with a big sign, you know, there's a row of chairs and there's a huge sign that says oncology lab. You know, mm-hmm. and you sit there, and the orthopedic the orthopedic section's over there, and everybody's over there looking at you, and um, it's like you know, those are the moments. It gets a little hard, you know. You get yeah. a little nervous and scared, but you know, I mean, like I said, I don't think none of us, none of us are. I don't think we're here to try to be perfect. I think we're here to try to be happy, and I think all there is is that, and it's learning how to get past whatever the voices in your head are telling you and learn to kind of talk to yourself in a way that allows you to to create life more in a way you'd like it to be and to and to trust the process without busting your you know your butt trying to do it and working so hard and you know I, I think that um you can get more done just by acting when you're inspired to act rather than forcing you know starting a new business and marching up and down the street, banging on every door, handing out your business cards day in and day out because, you know, you've got to make it. And um, I think there's, I, I just think there's a better way to do it. And that's what I'm doing now, you know, living 
and, and going for that because, you know, Beth, I already had that experience and I'm really very lucky. I'm, I'm, I, I can't, the people I listen, you know, how they, they, the things that upset them. And a lot of women are stuck in relationships where, you know, husband makes all the money and, and, and they, they can't leave or they're unhappy and they'll just stay there. You know, they're just, people just make decisions and get upset over things that they can easily change or work through, you know? So, um, I'm just, I'm just like, I feel free because of it now. That, if that makes sense, I don't, I don't mean to be rambling. I still have lingering, you know, my, my, um, my thought process is going to be the last to heal. I still can be a little bit of a knucklehead at times. So, does all that now, make sense? Chris, this is, I, I've been writing feverishly. I, I don't know which question that I want to even ask you next because I have so many. No, this is fantastic. Thank you because that's what this is really about and that's what I love is to be able to have people share their experiences with others. Uh, maybe maybe it can help somebody in another profound way that they have no idea. Uh, like you might be reaching people that you had no idea and it can have that impact on them, uh, whether they be down the street from you or around the world. Uh, so, no, that's what it's about. Please don't don't feel like uh-huh. there's nothing is off limits here. So I, I love where we're going with this. But one thing that I did want to talk about, because that constant awareness at uh, every moment, you, you had said, like, is the meditation there. And I know I looked and you do uh, also, like, mandala art, correct? I, I love it. I now, love can, it so much. Can you much. please share? Yeah, like go into that. Like how does how do you do that? Like with yourself, with people that you work with, and how even do you tie that into a form of meditation too, please? It's so much fun, um, mandala. I probably have to call it intuitive art. I used to call it mandala therapy until New Jersey passed a law that you can only say that if you have a degree. <laughs> so I don't oh, have geez. a degree. Yeah. So, intu- but, you know, excuse me. We'll, let's scratch that. Intuitive art. How would you go into that? Then, oh. Please? It, this stuff is so amazing. So I get clients a lot mm-hmm. that come to me, and um, they're in a place that they're uh, scared. You know, scared, you know, the relationship's not right, whatever it is. They, they, they're they scared. They can't make money. They have a thought in their head that says, you know, on this age, if I leave this relationship, um, how will I ever be able to make a living because somebody told them that. It's just this belief that they keep saying again and again that it's only true because they think it's kind of a thing. So when I get a client that's scared about anything, all I have to do in that moment is I'll say, well, how old do you feel right now? And they'll, they know. They'll say, geez, you know, gosh, uh, I feel like I'm five. And I'll say, okay, great. Now, this is just like mandala and art therapy. Are, they're really powerful stuff. So just as a quick example, when you bump into, and it's rare, so out of 100 clients, maybe I find one that has enough courage to like be vulnerable enough to to express how they feel. So they'll tell me that they feel four or five years old, and I'll say, all right, so, um, you know, you think you're looking for this person or you think you're looking for this thing in life when really you're really looking for yourself. You know, the, the little kid, the experience you had when you were a little kid that made you scared, is that experience is still in there because you were a child when you had it, but now you're all grown up. So I have clients mm-hmm. that are brave enough, they draw a picture of their their little kid, they they draw a picture of their five-year-old and then they ask their five-year-old to draw a picture of them as an adult. And what always comes back is the little kid draws both pictures. And um, so, I mean, art therapy, and, they, and Carl Jung used it, a lot of people use it in psychiatry to help because the coolest thing and why mandalas are amazing is you can't lie. 
you can't you can't lie. It's just not possible. You express who you are, where you are. You can see how a person thinks, where they're, um, how guarded they are. I mean, they reveal everything in a mandala. It's like a psychic snapshot of in this life experience. How far? Where are you in your? How how open is your heart? You know, how stuck are you in the beliefs that you learned when you were a little kid? And how open are you to, you know, this vast imagination like the IMAX theater, I like to call it, you know? And when you talked about meditation, this awareness, I just want to tell you that when I say that, what that means for me is I know, I know what I want. I know where I want to go. I know who I am. I know how I want to live my life. So what that means is that when three clients in a row cancel. When something happens, um, you know, it snows, a blizzard in New Jersey. I lose clients, you know, the whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I don't I don't let the what is come in and say, Oh, you know what, you're not gonna you know, you're not gonna make it. No, nope. you're you're this is already not working out, you're not gonna get where you want to go. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by it. I just stay focused, looking on this is where I want to go. It doesn't matter what's happening. I'm just going to, this is coming, I know it's coming, and I'm just going to relax and let it happen, basically. That, that's what I mean when I say that. But what's nice about, you know, the, the mandala art, and as soon as I get a chance, I really want to put together my mandalas from the very beginning because it's amazing how from such an, I had such an incredibly abusive childhood. I mean, being, you know, sexually molested as a little kid, five years old, you know, um, mm-hmm. horrible, just my mother didn't want me, terrible experience. So the first mandala, my little kid came out and just, it was just, you know, puking up stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. now when I draw them, they're they're beautiful. Just the last one I drew was, you know, amazing. And after cancer, what's really crazy is I actually drew what happened to me. I have this amazing mandala. It's actually on my website. It's called Woman. And in it, there's... All this, like, you know, there's a, like it looks like an incision in my abdomen and all this, like, angry, angry teeth, you know, over my abdomen. Yeah. And, and maybe I'm crazy, but it's like that was like a premonition. But I think that mandalas, they let you, they show you where they are. They help you connect to a part of yourself, just like art therapy does. And it really does. But you have to be, you have to be open because... You know, if you're guarded or you don't want to be vulnerable or you're afraid of judgment or the little kids say, I can't draw, I can't do a circle, that's stupid, oh, this is ridiculous, you know, that sort of thing, well, then it's not, you know, then it has nothing to offer you at that moment in your life. You know, you do have to be open and willing. And But but then when you do draw this stuff, it's um, you really get to see a part of yourself. And as you keep growing and learning about yourself and you know, there's right now there's so many wonderful resources out there, wonderful people, Esther Hicks and Neil Donald Walsh and Eckhart Tolle, you know, uh, it's it's great. Unfortunately, Dr. Dwyer just, just you know, crossed over or transitioned. I hate to say die, but I don't think we do. Um, but, you know, there's, it's just, you know, the whole purpose, I think, of all this stuff is to, is to realize you know, it's never going to stop and there's really nothing bad that really can happen because you'll just probably recycle again and and um, it's just you, you never get anything finished and nothing ever ends, you know? So you just have fun and whatever you want, you'll get when you're supposed to, you know? And so art therapy kind of just, it's it's kind of like better than alcohol or better than drugs or better than sex. You get to have this really cool relationship with yourself and as you keep having your aha moments and 
and bumping into people that are loving and kind and and you're figuring it out and finding more happy, your pictures start to change and it's just fun. It's just a fun way of um, entertainment and um, self-reflection, I think. And even better when you have somebody like Paul or John McMullen is like fantastic. I don't know if you've ever heard of him from Journey you know, of Wisdom, but... Yes, I had uh, Jator Pierre on the show uh, a few months ago, and he said uh, that he was somebody, like, he, he's studied, he has followed, and, like, he, I, I've, I've looked him up a little bit, but expand upon, like, what, what is it that, like, uh, sets him apart? Like, why are you so into John McMullen then, too? I Well, and I appreciate that. It's a good question. You know, I've had... Uh, you know, um, John McMullen is probably one of the most gracious people I've ever known in my life. He's mm-hmm. he's um, somebody that no matter what you're saying, he hands it back. He he never he never scrambles around to stand one step higher than you. He's always meets you face to face. He's like a clear mirror. And so for me, uh, you know, having a mother that verbally told me as a child, you know, you're ugly, you're never going to amount to anything. Uh, and, you know, being having having a stepfather who was so violent and then running away as a child and living with my father who was an alcoholic, I basically grew up by myself. I didn't, I didn't have any functioning parents in my head. Mm-hmm. So how I got my emotional needs met in my life is I got very hard and rigid and I had a lot of fire and a lot of anger. And so I immersed myself in sex and drugs and you name it, anything. I wasn't afraid of anything. And when I eventually, you know, my father passed away at 25, I tried to kill myself. I did, mm-hmm. And I almost succeeded except somebody um, came over at the last second. But the point was, John McMullen, why is he so special? Well, because he helped me understand who was talking in my head. He helped me understand the voices. And I, when I, as soon as I recognized my mother's voice and... And and remember, it wasn't my mother as a person. It was how I experienced her behavior when I was a little kid. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, it, it was just necessary, you know. So John helps you look back, go back to the experience and to relive it with your adult self with you, holding the hand of your child and letting that child know it's not your fault, what happened. And you now know how not to be as a parent. And you now know what you don't want in your life. So... You know, he brings you to a place that you, you have no, you, you have no, you can't even help yourself. You just want to get down on your knees and, and be grateful for that experience because it really is what made you who you are. And so he teaches, he taught me how to invent and I did for myself. You know, he showed me and I did the work. I, I put a new father's voice in my head and a new mother's voice in my head. And so now when life bumps up to me or things don't go the way I want, I have different parents in my head. I don't have the parents that I grew up with telling me things. And now I choose to have, you know, so I have a father that will validate me and a mother that will inspire me and love me. And I have a lot of self-talk in my head now that's nurturing. And so it's allowed me to be more of a productive, more of a loving person to myself and as an example to my children rather than being this destructive, um, hungry, aggressive woman that, you know, (laughs) will go out there and, prove herself in any way so I can matter so much that people have to see how important I am, you know, because I was so empty as a child. So if it wasn't for John McMullen, I never, ever would have had that perspective. I never could have learned that. He, 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 he's amazing that way. He, one of my greatest, 
he's one of the greatest people that came into my life because that was what I needed more than anything to to live peacefully inside myself. That's what makes him different. But you you know again you've got to be willing to um, be vulnerable. You got to be willing to say where your weaknesses are and and what happened and without you know having a voice in your head that says oh we don't talk about the family oh you never mm-hmm. say that you know because that's the kind of stuff that you don't know it you're unconscious to it but family secrets are pretty destructive because they, at some point you you're not even honest with yourself anymore and you know you don't realize this stuff I mean. If you figure this stuff out at any time in your life, it's it's such a gift because, you know, they say the greatest regret, you know, one nurse, and you've probably even seen it at some point on the Internet, the nurse that works at this hospice where people come to die, you know, what's their greatest regret in life? And the greatest regret is always living your life for what somebody else needed you to be. And and that's, you know, and, you know, and please, I hope you don't mind if I go on, but, no, please, uh, you know, please. my books. If Babies Were Buddhas, this little book, and it's, it was a Which, little... Which, by the way, time. I have to say, I love the artwork for it. I'm sorry to interrupt, but talking about the the, the intuitive art, the mandala art, the, the artwork on that book and if Babies Did Crunches, I, I think it's just so awesome. Well, well, you're, please go ahead, though. No, you're so nice. You know, the illustrator, when she did Crunches, she was really poor with two kids, and she didn't have a lot of stuff, and she did the best she could. And then somebody gave her this really cool artistic pen, and she did... And she did uh, Buddhas and it, and Buddhas is really beautiful. Um, but what I, really what the Buddha's book is about, and I'm going to just take liberty now. You know, no, I think please for expand me and, upon it. Yes, <laughs> and this is for me. Okay, I think that um, whatever is behind all of this, it's so vast and so fun and crazy with all the good things and all the bad things. I I you know who's ever behind it, I think um, loved us so much that. They they didn't want to, whatever it is, didn't want to impose itself. So where we are in our evolution right now, and please, these are just my internal thoughts. I'm not quoting anybody. It's just how I look at it, okay? You mm-hmm. don't have to look at it this way. Uh, I think that, you know, you need a mom and dad that aren't perfect because at some point you have to be blessed with this feeling or the thought that you're not good enough. And I think that, the you know, the ego, like an octopus, your, your heart is your heart, your heart is your empathy and your compassion and your intuition. And your mind is something that tells you don't cross the street, don't touch the hot stove, you're going to need 40 boxes of shingles to do that roof. Um, this is dangerous, you know, of course. But, you know, the, the mind comes with these beautiful gifts. And the one gift is it tells you that you don't matter, you're not worth loving, and you're not good enough for anything, you know, and... And I think that that is there for a reason so that when you recognize it, you have an opportunity to choose a different way of living. And I think when they that one famous quote about the shepherd and his hundred sheep and if one wanders, I'm going to follow that guy, I think that, you know, um, it just, we get to pick. And I think those of us that have it harder than others, we're really the lucky ones because the harder life is and the more and the more challenging the situations and the more painful it it just causes this deeper desire you know it makes you more aware of what you think is the emptiness inside you that the emptiness that you think you have to fill with food and with being righteous or being pathetic or with alcohol or sex or whatever it is when really it's the everything you know it's like this smoke and mirrors illusion and when you're somebody that suffers you have a greater desire to 
to know and love yourself and to go figure it out. So I think I, I, my mother did me the greatest service because she chose not to love me. And in making that decision, I had to figure it out. And so, you know, maybe, I mean, you know, so I think that it's just maybe in time, you know, once we all, and I, I think personally we do all get to a place one day as we, if we, you know, we stay on this planet, and I think we will because I won't, I don't want to add to, oh, this is bad and that's bad and the earth is dying and this part. Because personally, I don't want to carry that around. And I feel like if I talk like that, I'm just making it worse. So I, I have a lot of faith that everything that isn't right is there for a reason to teach us what we don't want and that we'll create better things. And I don't think that ever goes away. But I do think we get to a place that eventually we do figure out how to love and parent ourselves so that when a couple comes together with respect and with an understanding that, you know, they're kind of sharing a relationship with each other, they're not property, and um, it's not a sexual desire thing. It's an actual reverence for who the person is when they have a child. They The, the child won't need to be searching his whole life to find somebody to make him feel that he's worthy of love, that he matters, and that, you know, um, he's enough. It won't even be there anymore because the parents will have healed it. And then that kid is going to be the one that invents the spaceship that goes to Mars in, you know, 48 hours or something because the brain is so, you know, and I don't think anybody's doing anything wrong. I really don't. I think we're just, we're in this amazing experience where if, you know, some of us want to experience crazy things. And one thing I've learned, and I'm, uh, again, I, uh, for me, this is, I have learned this for myself that it's none of my business if somebody wants to experience some hateful, god-awful thing in their life, you know, I, who am I to judge? That's bad. This is good. That, you know, um, because um, everything that happens here, good or bad, changes all of us. We, we all get the opportunity to experience what we need to experience that pushes us into a life of life force growing, blowing through us of what we want, you know, and some of us want to have, experiences we're just here for a short time or a violent death or, you know, and again, if I sit and try to absorb all that, then I'm, it's just weighing me down as a person and um, it takes the joy out of my life. So I, for me, I, I, it's not that I don't care about these things. Of course you do. You know, of course you want to help and, and of course we want to be peace, but you know, you're limited in how much you can physically do and how much you can effectively make change. So really the greatest power that you do have is to create peace inside yourself and to just try to be an example. And, you know, people will say, oh, chemo is really bad and, and this is bad. And I'm like, well, you know, it, it, you can judge it that way if you want. But for me, it brought me to a place and a perspective where I get to look um, over the rooftops with a point of view that, that I never dreamed I'd ever have before. So you can judge what I went through any way you like, but I'm going to choose to take it as an opportunity to, wow, I... I look into my kids' eyes every day, and it's just fantastic. And there's no complaining about anything little. And it's just everything is um, precious. You know, uh, sure, you get those moments of frustration now and then, but it's not the same anymore. And I'd much rather, if, even if I'm gone in a year or so, I get, I get to be wide awake. I get to really appreciate every second rather than that day in and day out. Oh, when I get this, I'll be happy. Oh, when I get that, I'll be happy, you know. Uh, I'm just going to be happy, you know, now. So yeah. Well, now, Chris, you said you said you had talked about happiness earlier. You said even like we're here to be happy. 
uh, talking about it again now, like, what is your definition of happiness? What does that mean to you? That happiness for me personally is a feeling inside myself that I'm worthy and that I'm I'm beautiful and I'm um, loved and valued. That I I feel good in my own skin, being myself without needing to be anything else for anybody. That's for me. That's my happiness. That's that's fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. I I, I love hearing what people think of as happiness for them because that's the beauty of it too. We can all be happy in our own way. Now. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no! Did you want to expand on that? Go no. ahead, please. No, I was just saying. Yeah. No. I'm oh. Okay. <laughs> no. Chris, one one of the things that I like to hear from people is, what is your vision of a healthy future? Like, what do you think health will look like in ten years or even a hundred years from now? Well, again, I think that, um, and it's just me because of my life experience and perspective. I think the best way to a diet is. Um, the thoughts in your head that care about you and love you. You know, like, I don't think that, um, I I think anybody that is, is still stuck in a place where they don't think they're good enough and they're not worth loving or they need a relationship to matter, whatever it is they need, anytime you don't feel good, you make choices that aren't necessarily good for you. You know, you eat food, you drink, you do whatever. You, you, a lot of times people get upset and they'll eat pizza or they eat ice cream. And it's, we know, food is very soothing. It makes you feel good. And, and we, mm-hmm. hopefully all of us have had an opportunity where we didn't feel good about something and found solace in something that maybe wasn't in the best interest of our health. But um, I, I just hope that the future is more rather than telling everybody they need to eat organic. Like when people come to me and they say, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds and this and that. And usually people that come to me, they're pretty... They're pretty um, open to growing in, in in all ways, you know, emotionally, mentally. And mm-hmm. I tell them it's not the food that's bad, it's the voice in your head that says it doesn't care. Because I don't think it's bad once in a while to have, you know, a piece of cake. I know when my children have a birthday, I'm going to enjoy cake. I don't yeah. care. I, I had an editor, a beautiful woman, um, passed away at 95 years old and I went over to her house once and she made me a tuna salad sandwich on Wonder Bread and put it on a plate and you know what I enjoyed every bite of it and I remember I went back to a a class that I was at and I was telling somebody how lovely my lunch was and there was somebody there and they said you ate it I said yes I did and it was delicious it was wonderful I did eat it um, because I don't think after going through what I went through next I don't mm-hmm. think that's what's going to take me down at the end. I think it's whatever I think about it. I think it's what, if I'm going to judge it as bad, then chances are it's going to be bad for me. Um, and I, I just, I really am starting to believe more and more that it's the thought process behind it. So for me, good health is um, having a good relationship with yourself and living in balance and knowing, wow, you know, I really shouldn't eat a big piece of cake every night. You know, I really shouldn't skip you know, this meal every day or whatever. You, you just learn to live in balance yeah. because there's balance in your emotional self because there's a lot of things out there. You know, you can have one diet soda. You can have, you know, I mean, a little hit here or there. I mean, I, I used to always say that. I used to say except for, you know, heroin and stuff like that. But 
Um, and that contrast is none of my business if somebody needs to experience that for whatever reason. That wonderful book, Zen, I don't know who the author was, the father, his son was a terrible drug addict, and he finally just let go and said, you know what, it's going to work itself out. The kid ended up being like he has one of the biggest clinics in you know the United States for helping yeah. addicts and things like that. So, you know, the thing is, is you know, we're always judging other people where they are, but the story's not over yet. You know, you don't know. Um, Napoleon Hill's son, you know, the kid was born and couldn't hear. And, um, you know, the father didn't treat him, he didn't treat his son any different. The kid ended up now, He, I'm sure he's passed on now since. But, you know, he ended up um, developing this thing and being one of the leading edge people for helping kids here who couldn't. So, you know, people need to experience sickness. So that overweight person that you judge over there eating Happy Meals, McDonald's or whatever and smoking cigarettes, They'll never know what wellness is until they know what sickness is. You just can't know. You just, and you're, you know, how can you, that's why, I'm, how can you judge anybody's experience? So I just, all I hope for the world in the future is personal, mental um, health and happiness and, and understand that nobody is here to just be perfect. We're all going to make choices that are necessary so we can figure out we want life force to move through us and if everything's always working out you don't bump against anything you know that's no fun you want a new you need something to happen that you don't necessarily like so you know oh I want it this way I'm tired of this green couch I really want to change the room you know what I want a new paint color you know I mean we we just all of us love change and changing things around and it's just I think if you can just embrace the fact that it's always going to be like that um, you know, not only can you have a little bit more fun in the process, but you're probably less likely to bring to you serious, traumatic, major events that, you know, um, are things that you don't want, you know. But I, I, you know, just from where I am in this recovery place, I just, it's, it's, the, only, it's the only place that I can stay emotionally that just feels good. It, it just is personal and it just is like makes life, you know, a very um, smooth process. Not, you know, again, a lot of the time, gonna, you know, <laughs> I have my moments, you know, <laughs> of course, you know. Right, But right. I think you want to try to just stay relatively comfortable in who you are most of the time. And then I think things just, I really do believe it. I think things, they just, they work themselves out one way or another. As long as, you know, you just kind of don't, you get yourself all upset when things aren't going right, and all it does is you just sit there upset, you know. But that's that's my, anyway, I, I don't, I apologize for rambling, but that's no, for me Chris, the future in health is um, mental health. <laughs> well, I, I think that's something that uh, I'm sure we can all go down our own little rabbit holes on and help ourselves out with. I, that's That's fantastic, though. Thank you for sharing that. Now, I, I want to be respectful of your time here. So a couple a couple of questions to, to close up here. One of the ones is, who would you want to hear on this podcast? And what would you want to ask them or hear them talk about? Um, well, if I could bring back Carl Jung, I'd really like to hear him on a podcast. That's for sure. I'd love to hear him talk about art therapy. Um, I, I'm trying to think who I would love to hear. <laughs> or is there anybody else um, really that you like uh, with art therapy uh, that's even still practicing today? Not anybody, honestly, that I'm aware of. But you know, okay. who I who's always fun to listen to is Esther Hicks. Esther um, Hicks, yes, lots of fun. 
listening to that. And uh, of course, I love Neil Donald Walsh. I don't. You couldn't get. I don't know if you can get them on your podcast. You could. Yes, you could. I won't put that out there. That's ridiculous. You have a wonderful <laughs> podcast. And if you were to attract somebody like that, oh my God, I would love that. I would. I would. Lo- I like. I like listening to Neil Donald Walsh a lot because of his interesting experience homeless and broken neck and his wife left him and he lost everything and living out on the streets and everything until he wrote his book. Um, but, uh, well, what, you know, what's something that you would want to uh, ask uh, Neil Donald Walsh or what would you want to hear him talk about even? I would want to hear him talk about how he, how he, um, how he got himself through that transition um, to a place of being a, you know, the author when he wrote Conversation with God, you know, I'd like to hear more intimately. I mean, this is a guy who literally lost his job, got divorced, lost everything, had a broken neck, couldn't couldn't go to physical therapy anymore, and had to like live out on the street with nothing. So um, he's an amazing person. Um, just to hear his story, just hear him talk a little bit more about, but himself. But I also um, I really would like to listen to Stephen King talk because I love I love his imagination. <laughs> Interesting. Write some really great stories. What's your favorite one? Um, I think my favorite one is um, oh the new one that just came out about uh, Danny Torrance, um, Doctor Sleep. Love okay. it. I love I I love creative work. I don't necessarily like his super dark work, but Doctor Sleep is a really good read. And I find Stephen King a very interesting person. So, and I think I find him super interesting because of what happened. You know, he writes all these interesting nightmarish kind of stories and then you know we we all know what happened to him you know how he got hit by that van on the side of the road with the guy in his car the guy in the van with his dog and he dropped a sandwich or something and and he ran him over you know this no yeah that's right but i can't think of anybody like you know other than of course if you put john mcmullen that I, i if i had known you had him on i would have loved to listen to John, he's wonderful. No, I haven't, but I, I haven't had him on. When I I, I asked Jutor uh, Pierre this question, and that was he, John McMullen was the answer that he gave to it. So I think I, I'm gonna have to definitely try and reach out to him as well. I, I and again, I always try and reach out everybody that uh, anybody that suggests here. I certainly try and get them on because I would love to hear them talk as well. Like this has been right. a blast talking to you, and that's what it's about. Just getting to hear everybody's perspectives on their life. It's it's so interesting and any little tidbits that anybody can pick up to help them with themselves, that's what it's all about. Yeah, and I guess when you ask me that, you know, of course I'm like, you know, this little kid. I'm just dreaming about all the great people I'd like to talk to. But, Absolutely. But, you know, for but John McMullen, you know what, it would be for your listeners, if they've never heard of him before, he's really, he's somebody really, really special to talk to. And, uh, you know, I think more people, if they knew he, were there, he was there, they would probably want to uh, spend time with him. So he does, he, he just recently moved down to Florida, so he's hosting workshops down there. But um, it's just a lot of fun, you know. So anyway. All right. Well, Chris, last question that I ask everybody is, what is the one non-negotiable health habit you have that you never compromise on? But before you answer oh, that, every, hold on, hold on. Everybody just go over the show notes. Check out Good Naked Health Podcast here with Chris Temper. And Chris, finally, if it, it, where can they find you? Where can they learn more about you if they want to get a hold of you, anything like that? Oh, well, you know, my my website is like pretty much where everybody finds me. Well, you found me off Check Connect. But, you know, my website has all my information. And 
um, if anybody wanted to to talk with me um, or to get any of my books, if Babies or Buddhas is on Amazon and Octopus is in, you have an octopus on your head is in the process and uh, and I don't know how the title's going to hold, but um, my I have a another wonderful book uh, myself that you know just kind of like the the experience. But I'm working on a um, a book called What Your Doctor Won't Tell You and What Your Trainer Doesn't Know. So, okay. I mean, more is coming. But, but Buddha's book is, you know what the Buddha's book is great for? For folks that, that um, they don't meditate, they have a hard time meditating. The reason that I did Buddha's was it's an opportunity to kind of, it's not really um, a book you read. You just kind of experience it and then you sit quiet. So that's that's what it's for. It's to help remind you of how amazing you are and then you can sit quiet. So. There you go. So everybody, make sure go ahead, check out Chris's <laughs> website. Everything, the books here. Uh, Chris has been a blast. Thank you and so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening, and don't forget to head over to BarenakedHealthPodcast.com to get your top 10 world-class nutrition tips from the experts to help you simplify your health journey. While you're there, go to my calendar and schedule a 15-minute call so we can discuss what is your biggest struggle when it comes to maintaining your health. Also, if the show has helped you out in any way, please head over to iTunes to give the Bare Naked Health Podcast a positive comment and a five-star rating. This really goes a long way in getting the word out with how simple health can be and helping to share the podcast with others.